All right, so basically we um, see from this video that there are three different types of, in the beginning of it, it spoke about that there's three reasons why we would use astrology. Besides we're going through everything else is number one is there's, there's natal, which would be also, I forgot the words that my mind, it's basically to see what's going, what's going to be, it's genethliacal which would be to with the see stuff that will go on within a person's life, um, the general to see certain events that will go on. And there's a Katarkic, which would be to know the perfect time to do something. This is a good time to plant. This is a good time, et cetera. So now, um, great. So we, that's a little bit from the, a lot of that was from the Talmud, which we're going to touch base on a lot of the points from that video. I have a question. I want to volunteer. What do you think is Judium's stance on a, on astrology? What do you think it is, and why? What is Judium's stance on astrology, and why do you say that? So I'm looking for volunteers to want to answer. Anyone on Zoom want to answer? Want to guess? I mean, I kind of said it, but it, earlier. But what would you? What would you believe it is? So, all right, I guess no one. Let us, uh, anyone here live want to, Ron, you felt that no one would ever believe in it. I, I, I know we would, we would have a choice of Judaism, but I don't see it. Aha, uh -huh. so you're very skeptical of it. Yeah. All right, so. There's good reason to be skeptical. So actually, you know, it's a very polarizing subject. You have some people um, which will, will tell you like, oh, like, oh, you're this. And that's why I see that now. Once you told me your birth month, I could tell I see certain things about you. And there are certain people which think it's all, all nonsense. And actually, in our debate we're going to go through tonight, we're actually going to see a lot of both of that. that. There'll be a lot. Some people that say that it's really nonsense. And then we'll have the other extreme that will say, no, it's something to be reckoned with. Maybe we shouldn't look at it and it shouldn't influence us, but it's definitely something to be reckoned with. So let us begin. We're gonna see astrology in the Talmud. So if in, the, in our student books, we are on page um, 46. Yeah, well. Well, so if we see in this in this graph over here, so in the video we spoke about, it's actually very interesting. The Talmud, it goes through, there's a very interesting, we're not going to go through it all, but there's very interesting, um, there is, it speaks about in the Talmud, about if you're born on a certain day, then some, such and such. So it actually, if you, so on page 46, you have, it says like, if you're born on Sunday, you'll be lustrous appearance Monday, which is, which Monday comes from moon day, suffering afflictions. Tuesday is mercury, which, no, this is just, these are the hours, Never mind. The Tuesday would be Mars. But anyhow, mercury would mean radiance and wisdom. Venus would be wealth and, uh, and promiscuity. 
Mars would be spiller of blood. Jupiter would be righteousness. Saturn, clouds will come to naught. This is what it says in the Talmud. So actually, there's a discussion in the Talmud. The Talmud, there's a rabbi from the Talmud. He goes through, if you're born, on, I, I was born on a Tuesday, and that's why this always freaked me out, because Tuesday is Mars Day, and that means spiller of blood. So when I looked this, I was in 11th grade when I looked this in the Talmud, and I started feeling like, am I a future, am I a future serial killer? Just kidding. But I was like, it was very interesting to me. And actually, a rabbi responds and says, you shouldn't look at it. It doesn't make a difference. This is Rabbi Hanina's destiny chart. But the one opinion says goes by days. And someone says, no, it goes by the hour. But, you know, just because spiller of blood doesn't mean the person will be a murderer. So this in the Talmud, it actually in the discussion, it says someone who's born, that Mars is the, when Mars is the, the dominant, the dominant, um, the dominant planet of the time, he should get into circumcision, get into a shoichet to be a ritual slaughterer, slaughterer, or we could be, a, I don't say this in the Talmud, but be a surgeon, do something that will have blood with it because that will take that passion and use it for good. So even if something, in, or it says someone who was born um, with Venus, love wealth and promiscuity. So it doesn't mean, like that means every single person born with Venus is promiscuous. So it means might, they might have a more of an inclination towards it, but it won't actually, it won't actually, uh, doesn't push them towards it, obviously. It, I mean, it doesn't make them do it. Obviously, we are the ones that decide our own destiny, and we make our own decisions. But now that we see this, let's get a little bit into a, the discussion over here in text number one. So that's from the Talmud, all of that. But now let's get to text number one. So there's a very interesting story in the in the Torah. It speaks about that Pharaoh, he is persecuting the Jews. And he was paranoid because he knew at a certain time the Jewish people will be redeemed. There'll be a redeemer for them. There'll be a leader of the Jewish people. They'll overthrow him and redeem the Jews out of Egypt and bring them to Israel. So he turns to his astrologers and tells them, I have to figure out how to stop this. So the astrologers come back to him and they tell him that the leader of the Jewish people will be afflicted by water. So what does Pharaoh say? Let's look at te text one. So Pharaoh gave an order to all of his people. Every boy that is born must be cast into the Nile, but let every girl live. So he makes a commandment. You know, he was very into equality. So he didn't say every Jewish boy. He said every boy. Because let's look in text 1b, which we get into why he said every boy and not every Jewish boy. So text 1b says as follows. Pharaoh made his decree on his own people as well. He did so because on the day Moses was born, his astrologers told him the savior of the Jewish people was born today. But we don't know if this person is a Jew or an Egyptian. We do see, however, that his eventual downfall will be through water. Pharaoh, therefore, made a decree that that very day against all newborn boys, including the Egyptians. So we see right away that Pharaoh, actually, he knew. So the astrology was able to help him 
to figure out that the, that the leader of the Jewish people will be afflicted by water. But he had no idea what, what that was supposed to mean and who is that supposed to be. So he came up with a very easy dystopian idea to just throw every single Jew in the Nile. Not every single Jew. Yeah. To one minute. Yeah. To, to throw every single boy in the Nile. And in this way, they will get through this and they will make sure that the savior of the Jewish people never survives infanthood in order to save the Jewish people. But they had no idea what his affliction to the water will be. And that actually ends up being that he, that actually ends up being that he, in the desert, there's a certain episode where Moses is told by God to speak to the rock in order to give water to the Jewish people. And Moses instead hit the rock. He heard hit the road and he hit the rock. He got mixed up. So he hit the rock and, and, the, and that's actually what, because of that, he was decreed upon him that he won't be allowed into Israel. And that was his downfall. But again, Pharaoh had knew he's going to, he's going to have his downfall through water, thought he's probably going to drown. So therefore he had his, he had it made his decree in this way. So it was a very inaccurate idea through, he got through the stars. Do we have any questions? Yes, Ron. What do the seven sun, moon, um, and five planets have to do with all this? So Ron wanted to know what all the planets have to do with all this. Yeah, so those are the those are the major planets that are players in our galaxy. Those are all the planets. If you realize Pluto, you know, they discovered that Pluto is not a planet. Like, I don't know, when I was a kid. But actually, the Talmud never considered Pluto a planet. Just interesting, interesting to know. Um, it's not one of those. So the every single hour, there is a certain planet, which is the dominant planet within our galaxy. And there, yeah, that's throwing you throughout the week. It's a perfect system. Every week it starts over. And actually, just interestingly enough, Mars is the dominant. If you look back on the chart on page 40, 45, what page, what page is on 45 or 46? 46. On page 46, it says there's actually a, it shows on Friday in the sixth hour of the sixth hour of the evening, it will be in between this, yeah, sixth hour of the evening. Let me just check myself. Oh, I just want, I don't want to say this wrong. So look on Friday. Friday night in between six and 7 p.m. The dominant is going to be Mars. Not the sixth hour. Look at the first hour of evening. Friday night, what's the first planet? It looks like Jupiter. My, my thing's black. It is Mars, yes. So 
it would be Mars would be the first. So actually, in that first hour of Shabbat, we do not make Kiddush because it's Mars. We wait for Mars to pass before we make Kiddush. That is how this actually ties a little bit into Jewish law, those hours. Um, any other questions? Do we have any questions from Zoom? All right. Um, all right, so this slide we had up for a while, it says Akum. So who knows, Who anyone familiar with what Akum means? Akum. Akum, what's on the roll? So this would actually mean Ovde Kochavim Umazalos. In Hebrew, it's an acronym for Ovde Kochavim Umazalos, which would mean worshipers of stars and celestial bodies. A non Jew would be called or referred to Akum a lot. It's actually, interestingly enough, it was a name that non, the Christians gave to non Jews because. In the time of the Talmud, now in the time not, when the Talmud was being printed, in the time of the printing press, there was in Europe, there were Christian censors that would go through and they would change certain words, which they felt were derogatory for the average Christian in the area. So a lot of times the word, the word for non-Jew, they didn't like. So they would change it to Akum. Um, or sometimes the word heretic in the Talmud, they felt was referring to them, so they changed it to Akum as well. And there's actually one time, the word for heretic would, mean, would be Min, which is spelled Mem Yud Nun, which could also mean just type. So there's actually one time that the person who was this... It doesn't, it's just on the... It no. um, the, so the person, there's one time the censor so mini kidneys, which means types of beans, but he's just looking at the, he's just censoring. He didn't, he saw the word, which also means heretic. So he changed it to Akum. So it also, it says um, stars, worshipers of stars and celestial bodies, beans in one spot in the Talmud, which is funny. Now it's all corrected back. But um, at the time, this is a word, but it actually refers to um, non-Jews because it's us Jews, we, Again, we believe in higher, we believe in God. But, so therefore we believe in the supernatural. We're not, we don't believe in the natural. We know natural exists, but we don't rely on nature. We rely on miracles. So therefore, this is not how we refer to ourselves, but as non-Jews, that's what we would refer to in general. So now, if we don't believe that the stars have any influence, I, as I keep on reiterating, then what actually, obviously the Talmud speaks about the stars. There is an idea that the stars, there is something going on. So what is this? What's happening? If it's not influencing us, they don't do anything, then what's actually going on? Why don't we make Kiddush when Mars is out? That's a Jewish law. It says that in, in Jewish law, while Mars is predominant, while Mars is the predominant planet, you don't make Kiddush. That's why sometimes the, you'll go to a, a Shabbat meal and people will be waiting and say, we have 20 minutes left till we can make Kiddush. It's because they're in a certain time frame that you know you don't make Kiddush then. It's usually between six and seven. So in the winter, you, people try to make Kiddush before six. In the summer, we, Shabbat usually starts after 
Mars anyhow. So that's not an issue. And that's all determined by this calendar. Yes. Yes. So what's actually going on? So the way to explain, to understand this is as follows, that really what's happening is, is every time frame, you know, we live in our world the way God created it. Just like we are moody, we have, you know, sometimes we feel more, we feel more um, stimulated. Sometimes we feel more depressant. Sometimes we're happy or sad. We're excited or tired. So the world and the whole universe, God created with these cycles. So a way for us to have an indicator of what cycle the universe is in would be through the planets. So actually, it's not that the planets are dictating what's going on, but rather it, they are indications. They are pointers to what is the mood of the universe and God's creation of the universe in the moment. And that's how we're going to look at it. And the reason why we're going to look at it like this is because if we believe that it has control, then there are going to be three problems with basic um, fundamental Jewish ideals that if we believe that the astrology, all that controls us, there are a few fundamental Jewish ideals, which as a Jew, it's fundamental we believe in, that it will come in contradiction. And it won't, they won't be able to coincide with these ideas. And therefore, we're going to look at it this way. So let's look at text two to see this. So this is from Maimonides, which I want to point out right now before we start. Within, um, with, if I was to make a scale between the Jewish sages of believing in astrology to not believing, to being a skeptic of it, Maimonides is all the way on the skeptical side like 110%. I always <laughs> All right, so let us begin. Text two is on page 55. Do not entertain the thesis held by foolish people that God decrees at the time of a person's creation, whether he or she will be righteous or wicked. If God were to decree, to decree that an individual, individual will be righteous or wicked, or that, that, that there will be insurmountable, be an insurmountable inboard quality that compels a person to a particular path of behavior, way of thinking, attributes, or deeds, as the foolish proponents of astrology imagine. How could he command us, do this, do not do, not do this, improve your behavior, and do not follow in your wickedness? According to their mistaken conception, it is already decreed and predetermined by the person's insurmountable nature that he or she must act in a certain way. In addition, were this be true, the room would, what room would there be for the entire Torah? By what standard of justice would retribution be administered to the wicked and reward granted to the righteous? Shall the judge of the entire world not as act justly? So 
one of the main fundamentals of Judaism is freedom of choice, that we have free choice. So now, if we believe that the gal that the, the stars are dictating, you know, back to our Mars example, that someone born when Mars is a the dominant planet, that in such a case that he will have to, that he will be a spiller of blood. If we believe that, then how can we punish the murderer? How can we punish the murderer? The murderer, he's a Mars guy. Maybe we should take people born, if it's you do by the days, born on Tuesday or on the hours of Mars, make them all live together. There'll be one guy left in the end. The constant um, power struggle. But how can we punish such a person? You know, if, uh, how can we, if, if a, how can, if someone is, you know, if, if someone, if, if someone's promiscuous in a relationship, but he just, hey, I'm from, does it Venus or Saturn? Whichever one, I'm this, that's me, you know, what can I do? So obviously we have free choice and we, that's a big fundamental in Judaism. So this will obviously, this will run afoul of that. Correct. Number two is reward and punishment, which would be the flip side of this. That because we have free choice, part of Judaism is that there is reward and punishment that which out which actually Maimonides later on actually says that what's reward and punishment? It's all consequence. That there is consequence for our actions. Maimonides says if someone's righteous, he he's gonna get when someone gives charity, the reaction from heaven is gonna be. Oh, you're giving charity? We, then you should have more money so you can do more of that. If someone is being wicked, the consequence is going to be, is the consequence is going to be, oh, you're, you're being wicked. So we're going to take away from you. It's, it's reward and punishment is really consequence. So how can I believe in that? If we don't make our own decisions anyhow, everything's preordained, then obviously if I'm rich, it's going to be used because I'm, because anyhow, I'm rich. It's all just, it's also preordained. And now step three would be prophecy. So let's look in step three, that there is a, there is a law. One of the big fundamentals of Judaism is, for this is from Maimonides, it is a fundamental belief in the Jewish faith that God grants prophecy to humans. So the fact God grants prophecy to humans would, um, the fact God, God grants prophecy to humans it doesn't mean that if I get up and tell you all that, you know, I'm a prophet and I saw whatever, that you should believe me. Um, but you have to believe that it could be. So my mind, says, if someone gets up and says they're a prophet, then he gives certain indicators how to tell if they're the real deal or not. If someone says something positive is going to happen, if I give a prophecy that someone's going to win the lottery and it doesn't happen, I'm a fraud because God never goes back on a on something positive. But if I say something negative is going to happen and it doesn't happen, that could be, oh, he, he expressed regret. So therefore, the negativity, whatever was supposed to befall him, is not going to happen. And that would be a, the general rule. So if you're going to be a false prophet, just only spew negativity if you want to not get caught. Just saying. Um, but but there is a law that we believe there is the, the concept of prophecy. It's not nowadays. It actually says nowadays that prophet that prophecy, ever since the destruction of the first temple, there's prophecy has ceased from 
it's not it's not predominant anymore. So the Talmud asks, but we know there's prophecy still. Where did it go? So the Talmud answers that now it's by the crazies. You know, sometimes you see a Meshuggah talking to himself and saying things. You never know. He could be saying prophecy. Uh, we don't believe it because we don't have the. We're not we, we we don't know who to believe. So we don't. It's just an interesting thought. But anyhow, so. Prop, prophecy would be the would be a problem because if we know from astrology everything then why do we need prophecy like god doesn't need to communicate with anyone you want to know if he, i'm gonna get rich i'll go to the local um the local astrologer local local tarot card readers they'll tell me okay your your horoscope for today is whatever i don't really know how it works i tried going on a website to get a little bit so i could be familiar but uh it costed money and my will to know about astrology was not worth the four dollars in my <laughs> so but um but yeah so that that would be the three issues that would be posed from that would be posed from believing in astrology from a jewish belief standpoint do we have any questions um any so let's answer these questions let's start off with um free choice and see how astrology could still exist because these would say it doesn't exist but we know from the Talmud what it does so how can we say that free choice could still coincide with astrology at the same time so there was a period called the Gaonic period. This is a, in those which are part of last year life course, who will be a bit more familiar with this, that after the Talmud, there was a period of 500 years called the Gaonic period, which was actually mostly based out of Iraq or Babylonia, which as it was known at the time, um, it was like about a 500 year period. Most of those works of those rabbis, because their works were written in Arabic, and Jews don't really speak Arabic anymore. And at, even at the time, because most Jews left the region at the time, um, a lot of their writings, we don't have many of their writings, but the ones we do have are actually, some of them are super cool. So this is a writing for Rabbi Sharira Gon. He lived from, he lives in between years. It's, if you see in your um, um, page 57, lives, in between year for 100 years from 906 to 1006 they lived over a thousand years ago so he says as follows he says regarding as astrological predictions concerning promiscuity theft and the like the celestial bodies only generate an inclination and desire such people feel a strong attraction to theft or promiscuity, but they can restrain themselves and overcome their inclination. This is like the standard negative inclination that we all deal with. Sometimes it entices us strongly, but we can overpower it. The cholesterol bodies can only cause an, an attraction, increasing the strength of the negative inclination. God has given such people 
the requisite strength to overpower this inclination. People who must struggle mightily to overcome their negative inclination as a result of astrological circumstances are granted greater reward by God for doing so than people who do not feel so strongly tempted. In summary, that is it celestial or celestial? Celestial. Whoops, I knew I was reading it wrong. <laughs> All the celestial bodies are able to determine according to those who believe in their power is a desire that can be overcome. So Rabbi Sharir Agon says something very interesting. He says, astrology doesn't determine our actions. It will determine, though, our desires. You know, there's no two people that are the same. You, have, you, have, you can have one person which is very greedy. You have another person who's very generous, but is also very promiscuous. You have another person who is neither of those, very charitable and, and um, very straightforward, very noble, but also happens to be a complete ganav, a complete thief. You know, he makes sure to give 30% of everything he steals to charity. He's Robin, but he is a, he's a thief. So these are all actions we choose to do if we do them. But our, the inclinations there because of our circumstances. And Judaism is a big believer of that. You know that, you know, someone born to certain circumstances, if someone's parents are both, if someone's born into a family of bandits, chances are that he's going to be as well. So as Jews, though, we believe the follows, that if someone's born into negative circumstances, it's because he has the strength to overcome the negative circumstances. There's actually, um, there was um, a story one time that the someone came to the Lubavitcher Rebbe a, and said that he wants to, or he or she said they want to marry a non-Jew. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, I envy you. So the person was shocked. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe explains, I envy you because I have no such desire. I've never had because if, and that's because I would never be able to withstand the test of the desire. The fact that you have the desire is because you can withstand the test, which is very interesting. So, you know, Judaism believes that people, you know, there is, everyone has their own struggle, but on the other hand, we still believe that if whatever struggle you're given is because you have the power to overcome it. So he's saying that all this comes to freedom of choice. Yes, we have the power to, you, you're, you're going to maybe have more inclinations for the wrong things, but you'll have the power to overcome whatever, you have the power to overcome whatever it is you have. And then, so that's number one. So that would answer, that would be part one to answer the question of free choice. So now, let's get into the next one, which would be reward and punishment. How can this be reconciled that with astrology, 
how could reward and punishment, because that sounds like you already know what's going to happen to you. From astrology, you could see that this is going to happen. You're going to lose all your money or, you know, different things. So how do the two, how can the two coincide with one another? So let's look in text 5a. This is a very interesting story. So, you know, I'll tell you order, the earlier about Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak, which the astrologer told him to be a, he's going to be a bandit. So this story comes right after that story. So it goes as follows. Rabbi Kiva had a daughter. Astrologers told him that she would be bitten by a snake on her wedding day and die. Rabbi Kiva was very worried about this. He also never told his daughter about it. On the young lady's wedding day, she took an, or an ornamental pin from her hair and stuck it into the hole in the wall for safekeeping. When she did so, it lodged into the eye of a snake, killing it. In the morning, when she pulled the pin out of the wall, the dead snake followed, attached to the pin. Rabbi Kiva asked his daughter, what did you do to merit this? She told him in the afternoon, a pauper knocked on the door, but everyone was preoccupied with the wedding feast and nobody heard him. I stood up, I took my portion of food and gave it to him. Rabbi Akiva said to her, you performed a mitzvah and you are saved in its marriage. Rabbi Akiva went, went out and taught regarding this incident, charity will save from death. So we see from this that, you know, Rabbi Akiva was worried about, um, about this astrological destiny. He didn't say anything. He didn't go seek it out, but he was worried about it. Well, then when his daughter got saved, he knew there was something up. She must have done something to deserve being saved. And therefore, she, um, he asks her, and he, he ends up saying that charity will save us from death. So let's continue. Um, let's, let's continue um, what this means. So what does it mean? Tzedakah will save from death. So Rashi, which is a commentary on the Talmud, says the following. Through payer and meritorious acts, one's astrological destiny can be changed. So this would reconcile between punishment and reward and astrology. Because astrology can say one thing, but you know what? Because we believe in the supernatural, if we that's not our destiny. You know, um, you know, in back in the future, when the kid is in. He, he backs and does something. He's in, in the time machine. He does something and he gets his parents are not going to get married. And all of a sudden he's disappearing in the picture. So he has to do other things to get the kid to reappear. So that's kind of what's going on. So there is a story about us that it says in the stars maybe. But we can choose if we want that to be our destiny or not. So if we do nothing. That is the destiny of you if you're going to be a couch potato playing video games all day. Then maybe that will be the destiny that if you're nothing, if you're just cruising, cruising life, doesn't, I'm not, you don't need to be a couch potato playing video games all day. But I'm saying if you're just cruising life as a robot who is not making any 
decisions that have any ramifications whatsoever, then astrology will end up playing a major role in your life as for what is going to happen. But if you're constantly changing the world around us, which all of us are doing, the narrative around us is constantly shifting. So just because it says that the girl, the girl, she was going to die on her wedding day. Still, that didn't happen because she did an immense act of charity. And as long as we are affecting the world around us, the, our story as it's written is constantly changing. And therefore, it doesn't really dictate what's going to happen to us in our lives. Yes, Ron, you had a question? Yeah, I, um, I don't see what prophecy has to do with it. I understand the reward department, I understand free choice. The third element was prophecy. What well, if everything's in the stars, why do we need prophecy? Pardon me? If everything is in the stars, why do we need prophecy? So prophecy is another version of free choice. No. Prophecy would be, Ron is asking, What's how does prophecy come into the problem with astrology? God gives us a mitzvah to believe in prophets. If prophets could see everything in the stars, and they're not communicating with God then. So then why is there a mitzvah? Why is there a mitzvah to believe that there are prophets? Well, we're not to do justice to uh, do sadaka, to engage in prayer. I understand that, and I understand that defeating astro astrology, uh, attempt at creating destiny. But how does prophecy? So we're actually getting the prop the how to reconcile prophecy with astrology There's right no now. Yeah, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it in a moment. So, why do we need prophecy if we already have astrology? So let's look in. That's basically what Ron's asking, which is what we're gonna try to answer right now. So let's look in text six. So you remember I said earlier. Um, I already brought this up earlier, but I'm gonna say it now about the astrologers in Egypt with Pharaoh that they had to kill every single boy. So the Midrash explains this. It says astrologers chirp and do, and do not understand what they are chirping. They mutter and they do not understand what they are muttering. Pharaoh's astrologers saw in the stars that the savior of the Jewish people would be condemned by water. So they made a decree that all male children be cast into the Nile after Moses was placed in the river by his mother safely in a protected basket. The astrologer said that the Jewish savior has already been cast in the water and Pharaoh revoked the decree. What the astrologers did not know is that the water would be that, that would condemn Moses was an episode of the waters of Mariva, which would be the story of hitting the rock. So an astrologer would an astrologer would could know things going on but they actually have no idea. It's very unprecise and inaccurate. 
So it would be as if they are saying, you know, like there is going to be, it's like they could say something's going to happen, but they have no idea what the details are. So it's like someone calling in the LAPD tip line and saying, there's going to be a massive drug deal going down between two cartels, but knows no details, which cartels, where, the, where it's going to be, knows nothing else. That's pretty much astrology. So great. Now we have a tip to deal with, but we have no idea any, anything about it. And they could even know, say it's going to be going down at 8.52 p.m. Is that the time? No, it's early, 8.25 right now. So they say it's going to go down in, in another 25 minutes. But we have no idea anything. So that's astrology. Prophecy is precise. So even though we have astrology, prophecy is a precise communication with God giving us precise information. And therefore, we would need, there still needs to be a prophecy would still need to be a factor, even though some things can be known about it by through prof through astrology, it's really vague, and therefore we need prophecy to prophecy would be much more of a detailed understanding. Well, text yes, it did. Okay. Where's the prophecy? Um, Moses was a prophet. So I just want to. Um, so I just want to summarize um, these three things. So if you look at the exercise 2.1, I'm just going to do it with everyone. It's on page 62. So um, all right, before I do the exercise, do we have any questions? Any other questions? Just um, fixing our other video feed for our email. All right, so the exercise is as follows. Free choice, the problem posed by astrology for free choice is, is that if everything is destiny, then how can we say that we have free choice? How can we believe that? So the answer to that would be that we have free choice and what astrology is just giving us inclination towards certain negative traits or positive traits, but that's not the ultimate. It's not the ultimate for us. We and then that they have free choice and someone who has negative inclinations, obviously it's because he has the power to overcome those negative inclinations and the power forward. And therefore he even though he, he has never maybe put in a bad circumstance, but he'll be able to overcome that. That's God created him strong enough to do that. And now when it comes to reward and punishment, that if all everything's destiny in the stars and we already know everything that's going to happen to us. And how can we say that? Oh, that's a reward. That's your punishment for anything, which that's a fundamental Jewish belief. And the answer to that, to that we said is that the stars gives us the general trajectory trajectory but it's not going to be actually what is going to happen if we intervene and improve the world around us or make negative if 
we were like robots, then that would be our, that's going to be where we're heading. But if we actually, you do a mitzvah, you do something special, that will actually manipulate and change our destiny. And someone in the star says, if it was going to be poor his whole life, will end up being rich, or someone is supposed to die, end up surviving, because that's, we believe that because that we have the power to, we are with a, a good deed, we become supernatural. We're not, we're not bound to the laws of nature and the laws of the stars. And prophecy, we ask, why do we need prophecy if the stars can tell us the future? And we said that the stars are very imprecise. Um, so now this would actually give a little bit of a... Again, the examples are given of free choice and reward and punishment, and I can understand both. But where is an example of prophecy defeating um, astrological? Ronald, let's discuss it later. I will discuss it after the class. Okay? Um, it just seems that the text doesn't say anything um, So this will give us um, an idea of what means mazel tov. You know, when a baby is born, and we say Mazel Tov. So why do we say that? So it actually, it's because it means, when you look at text seven, when a woman is giving birth, the people present in the house at the time should pray for her for the, for mercy for the mother and that the child should be born under a positive astrological sign. The word Mazel Tov means like at a good moment. You know, you don't want your kid to be born in a Mars hour. So it's the, the woman is, is starting to, is starting labor you hope she's not going to have the baby at certain hours of the day. You don't want her to have the baby. Um, and therefore, we'll say that's what we wish Mazel Tov. Now, Mazel Tov will just mean congratulations. But we don't really discuss this, but actually the original meaning of Mazel Tov would be that. Um, all right. So now we went through the back and forth about astrology. Now I want to go through how Maimonides, that was all from kind of a Talmudic perspective, just going through it all. Now Maimonides, what does Maimonides have to say about all this? So here's a piece of Maimonides in text eight. All philosophers consider everything that the astrologers say to be false. I know that you may search in the teachings of our true sages in the Talmud, Mid Mishnah and Midrashim, and find teachings that appear to state that astrological configurations at the time of a person's birth determine certain matters. Don't be bothered by this. One doesn't depart from the settled law in favor of um, preliminary discussions. Similarly, one should not reject logical conclusions that have already been conclusively proven and instead latch onto teachings of an individual sage. It is possible that you are misunderstanding something. There may be hidden meanings to this teaching, or it may have been stated in response to a specific need or contemporary event. So Maimonides says that astrology has no validity whatsoever. He is a skeptic of everything. So he says that now, what does speak about the Talmud? He says, first of all, that could not be the law. It's a part of a discussion, and actually the, the discussion ends with Ein Mazal B'Yisrael, like I said earlier, that we don't, that the Talmud says, brings a whole bunch of opinions that say we don't believe in any of this. 
Then he continues and he says, also, even the ones that are saying this, we don't know what they actually meant because it's very Kabbalistic. The Talmud is filled with Kabbalistic teachings. And therefore, it's very possible. It's very possible that um, it's very possible that uh, it was just, we don't, we don't, we don't, it's too deep for us to actually understand what's going on. And he says, also, it's very possible people were very into astrology at the time. So the, the, some rabbis were giving their insight into it because it's not something that is, it's not idol worship. There's, we don't necessarily believe in it, but if people were, do, the rabbi spoke about it. You know, like nowadays, what are people into nowadays? You know, so um, then it was all, then it was all monarchies. So there's no politics to talk about. Now you, there are sometimes there'll be rabbis that'll talk politics. I don't see a point in that, but there's sometimes rabbi because that's what people are interested in. So they weigh in on it. They weigh in what are, so there's nothing, it's not necessarily a good thing to talk about politics, but there's, it's no, nothing bad about it in its own right. It's, it's not, it's still kosher. So he, he says that could be part of it, but he's, he ends off and he says that practicing astrology is forbidden according to Jewish law, which is actually, that would, that would be what he says in text nine, which I'm just going to skip, which is actually the law today that in the code of Jewish law, it says that we do not practice astrology. Mm. <laughs> now, he, he, there are books, there are a lot of teachers. If you look in the graph going through the next few pages, it goes through a whole bunch of books which actually speak about astrology according to Torah. So, he is not an only opinion. There is another opinion called the Ramban, similar to the Rambam. The Rambam is Maimonides, Ramban is Nachmanides. So, he says the following. He says the following. Look at text 10. He says, the meaning of the verse, be wholehearted with God, is that we should devote our hearts completely to God and trust that he alone controls everything. We should not inquire from his astrologers or any other future tellers. Nor should we trust in that their predictions will be fulfilled. If we hear any predictions from them, we should assert that everything is in the hands of God because he is omnipotent and he can change the constellations of the heavens at will, negating all the predictions made by astrologers. We should believe that all future occurrences are determined by our service of God. So Nachmanbi says as follows. He says that he says that we have a mitzvah that you know astrology could be true. But that's not the ultimate truth. So he says there is a truth. God is ultimate truth. So through serving God, we will actually obtain the ultimate truth, which would be transcend astrology. And also astrology is not necessarily reliable because God can always change it. So God is reliable. So we should just put our trust in God. And he says that's a mitzvah. He doesn't say it's a mitzvah to it's a to it's it's a negative mitzvah to practice astrologies, but he says we have a positive mitzvah to not practice it. So he's going in the he's going more in a instead of in a looking from negative way, he's looking from a positive side and saying that we shouldn't look at astrology because we should rather look at God. But now and then in the code of Jewish law, it, will, it says 
in text 11, we do not make in inquiries of, from astrologers. Doesn't get into if we believe in astrology, don't believe in astrology. It says we shouldn't just don't get into it. Um, and just and the reason for that would be is so in text. I'm just we're I'm I'm kind of skipping a little bit around over here in the textbook because we're we're coming short for time. So the reason for that would be is because if we believe if we believe in God, then God dictates what goes on. If we're doing mitzvahs, that, as we said earlier. Um, so now I want to get to text 13. So the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, actually gives guidance about astrology, you know, because I, I guess this is, um, this is from 1967, this letter from the Rebbe. And I guess in the 60s, people, that's when there were still newspapers. There are also newspapers not long ago, but there was, the, there was the horoscope section on the paper right next to the crossword puzzle that you can look at. So someone asked the Rebbe about it. And the Rebbe responds as follows in text 13. I duly received your letter in which you asked about the Jewish attitude to horoscope, etc. Generally, astrology and the like play no part in Jewish life, as it is also written in Holy Scriptures of the signs in heaven, ye shall have no fear. On the contrary, we have a commandment. You, sh you shall be wholehearted with your God, God your God, which is also quoted in the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law. This means that the Jew has to have complete and wholehearted faith in God and his benevolent providence, which extends to each and everyone individually. As for taking an interest in horoscope, etc., purely as a curiosity and the like, as you mentioned, this would amount to a waste of interest, which should be channeled in a more productive way. For it is explained in the Hasidus and Hasidic teachings that God has not given man an access of capacities, nor a deficiency. In other words, every person, and especially a Jew, has been given a certain amount of capacities and powers of, concentra of concentration, etc., all of which must be utilized in the fulfillment of his purpose in life on this earth, namely, to live in accordance with the Torah and mitzvot and to disseminate justice and righteousness, etc. In, in, it follows from the above that if a person should divert any of his capacities, thoughts and concentration on a useless thing, even if it, even if it be harmless, it is nevertheless harmful in a sense that it would thereby create deficiency in the area which is important and necessary for him. So let's unpack that. The Rebbe says, number one, a Jew, there's no place for us to believe in it because obviously we really believe in higher. We believe in God. But now what about to take an interest in it? So the Rebbe says that that wouldn't be a good idea because we only have a limited amount of capacity. We have a little limited amount of space. There's only a certain amount of decisions we can make a day. 
Oh, I heard this once that Obama only had two suits as president, besides the tan suits. He had two suits, two ties. Also, I heard this about Bill Gates. That there's certain, they only, you know, when you have to go to your closet and pick your clothing, you are making a decision. And we only have a certain amount of decisions we're able to make a day. And that's why if in grocery stores, they put all the junk up in the beginning. The produce section's all the way in the back. Eggs are all the way, all the way in the back of the store. Bread will usually be in the back of the store. Anything which, the more it is a necessity, the farther in the grocery store it is to get to. The reason for that is, is because while you're getting to there, you're making all these subconscious decisions. Do I need this? Do I, oh, no, yes, no. And by the time you get there, a lot of people, a lot of us, we get so overwhelmed that by the time we're paying, we grab two chocolate bars and a Coke on the way out. And that's what they just got us. So that's why it's set up like that. There's only a certain, so they're be saying we only have a certain amount of thoughts we can have, a certain amount of ideas we can have. So in saying it just, even though it's harmless, it's just, do you want that to be one of the 10 things you're able to think about today? Or th uh, 10 things I feel is a bit of a under, we think a lot more, but whatever the number is, you want that to be one of them. You know, there could be something more meaningful along down the line that could have taken up ample brain space. But since we looked at that column in the morning and we we're interested in it, 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 uh, it interferes with us. And that, that's what Gabby says. It's best just to stay away from it and just keep ourselves thinking about God and about, you know, that that's what he, he's the one that dictates everything. And to not pay attention to this and not waste our brain capacity on that. Um, and I just want to end off with something interesting, you know? So as I said earlier, that astrology got kind of back, back wheel because of science and, and psychology. And there's now, there are so many things in the world that we believe are manners of circumstance, that circumstance are genetics, and therefore that could explain certain things about a person. Um, they say, you know, in Jewish camp, they say their visiting day, they call it ahade, that you see your kid, there's a certain kid that's been giving you your, uh, when you're a counselor in camp. Or I never actually, as a Yeshiva boy, I never really did camp, but like, there are certain camps, like the big Chabad camps, where they get all these Shiva boys end up being counselors. So well, in the middle of the summer, they have visiting dates. They joke around, that's a hard day because you can have a kid that's giving you a hard time a whole summer. Then on visiting day, you meet the parents. It's like, oh, aha, now I get it. <laughs> so, you know, there is with genetics and psychology and all this stuff, we could see there's just certain things or matters of circumstance. And we could think, that's like the substance of psychology. And we could think that those are, those determine the future as well. So this would be the new astrology and these be the same principles. There is a God. So we, genetics will influence our, our future. You know, if someone is very smart, so their children, you know, genetics will be very smart. If someone struggles with, struggles with learning the children will probably struggle also but that doesn't mean if the person who struggles with learning not every person needs to be learned but let's say someone wants to be 
that does not force him into that circumstance. I actually had a teacher in yeshiva, which his father, when he was a yeshiva boy, he was he had an extremely hard time studying. Um, and but he didn't want it to be that way. So he just studied and studied and studied all day. And his brain actually opened up and he now he's like he, he's widely regarded in Chabad circles as a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. And I mean, it's known, it's like there's, it's known about him, though, this story that he tried really hard. It wasn't a easy journey for him. Some, some people get, have it easy and he didn't, but he tried really hard. And, you know, these could all, these all influence us, but we could always push through and it could always, um, we could always push through and we could persevere all this and God gives us the strength to do that. And I just want to finish off with this, with one note that there was, this is, I'm explaining text 15. I'm not going to read it inside that there was always a saying. Uh, there's a saying in that comes from the Mishnah. Da mala mala you should know what is above from you. And it's talking about that if you ever want to have fear of God and be in awe of God, just look above and see everything he created. And that will give you awe. You know, they just you see the universe is endless. It, it, it strikes awe on us a little bit. But there's a Hasidic understanding of it that would be da mala mala mimcha. They put that, which would mean in English, you should know everything above mimcha is from you, which would mean that we are kind of, you know, the first slide is the stars puppeteering us, but through our actions, we are actually puppeteering the stars and we are dictating what's going to happen because it really all ends up being because of our and it really is because our consequences of what we do, we dictate what happens above. So that with that, we'll end the lesson. Next week, we'll be speaking about jinx and the evil eye. And here is the review video for this lesson. Lesson two, stars and signs. One, there is strong support in Jewish sources for the basic validity of astrology. But there are also those who completely reject it. Two, any acceptance of astrology must come with several caveats in order to be compatible with fundamental Jewish beliefs. A, astrology cannot determine moral behavior, only natural inclinations. B, any predicted destiny can always be overturned by God, who reacts to our prayers and good deeds. And C, astrology is fallible. 3. Even the Jewish authorities who granted astrology some validity caution us not to turn to it for information. We should place our faith wholly in God, who is always in full control and shapes our destinies based on our actions. 4. Rather than seeing ourselves as small pawns in an elaborate cosmological system, Chassidut teaches us that we are the center of the universe and our actions shape its course. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining tonight. And I hope to see you all next week. And we'll be next week will be a very interesting discussion about the Jinx Evil Eye. And and I encourage everyone to, you know, the read the end notes. There's just um just go through them in the back. You know, after every lesson, there is some extra stuff in the back, just some interesting material over there. And thank you once again. End of the chapter. There's a reference to Marx and Freud.